turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Hello. Is this thing on? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I've got good news for you and bad news. Which do you want first? The good news, okay. The good news is it looks like China and the United States are very stressed out of their minds and they're trying to figure out how to de escalate things, and maybe something comes up this week. Markets responded positively to that kind of faux good news because if and butts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have if China and the United States do make friendship efforts at working together. It's that if. If I had a gold toilet, I'd be the happiest man in the world, but I don't. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. So that's the good news. Now you want the bad news? The bad news is bad news. It's news. If you're a fan of bacon, the U.S. could see tight supplies or even some shortages of pork bellies along with ham next year as the spread of a pig-killing disease in China ripples through the global market. Now, I personally want a senior citizen-killing disease to slide through California and get rid of some of those Prop 13 people who have been here forever. Yeah, no kidding. But a pig-killing disease I can work with. No, I can't. Smithfield Foods, who is a big, 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 big world big producer of bacon is warning that China's hog crisis crisis hog crisis hog crisis hasn't had much impact on the US yet but that could change in 2020 as the Asian nation is forced to increase imports even more in the face of a prolonged protein deficit the chinese are insatiable in their appetite for pork the chinese are insatiable in their appetite for the nba As far as to make a statement like the Chinese are insatiable in their desire to eat pork, it's true. It sounds like I'm being kind of racist or nationalist or something going on, but I'm not. 
Smithfield would be prioritizing supplying its long-held U.S. customer base long before directing meat for export to China. So Americans will have our bacon, which is kind of the good news and the bad news. It may cost us a little bit more, but we'll have our bacon. Chinese buying takes off. There's some limitations to how quickly producers can ramp up supplies because it takes a while to, to build a hog. The African swine fever has killed millions of hogs in China and elsewhere in Asia. That's one thing that China loves about the United States is our farming system seems to be more pure and clean. Now, again, I'm not opening that up for debate. Please send all emails to stationireallydontcare.com. But African swine fever has killed millions of hogs. That's crazy. China's pork production will probably be, be down 32 million tons or more. They're really going like no bacon. Whoa. One of the most expensive parts about bacon or hogs is the pork belly needs to be stored. And electricity costs keep rising every year. So the ability to keep the pork chilled so that it doesn't get disease and bacteria in it is pretty expensive. I know you're saying, you did it, Rob. You can now end the show. You've done a story on bacon. No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Is there another story on bacon I could do? I don't think so. Um, there is a story out there on Harley Davidson hog trying to keep the bacon theme going, but it's just not my investment play. I, I get it. If you want to own an auto that Harley Davidson kind of stands out as an American made bad. I can't say that word. Um, you're a bad, good, awesome, like, <laughs> the image of Harley Davidson is a bad boy. We need to go after investment on autos. I say it's far sexier than, say, Ford or GM, but maybe not as sexy as Tesla. And I don't own any of the any autos. Because to me, they're just manufacturing companies. But give credit to uh, Harley; they are a brand, but a brand that the millennials really don't much care for. They're not into it, like say, people who are over 40 are into it. Economic optimism is falling for teenagers. What? Why do you care about teenagers? First and foremost, I love a good teenage movie, a good love rom-com. I know you're saying, I didn't see that coming from you, Rob. Love. Exciting and... Always great. Teenage horror movies unbelievably wonderful look we can get jump into a running car or we can get into the shed with with machetes <laughs> let's get in the shed with machetes love those i think verizon commercials to show you how badly that uh marketing works or doesn't work i don't even know what commercials those are but i love teenagers love them love them i love them love them love them, love them. before i get weird on this teens this fall are estimated to spend $2,371 per year. That's the lowest estimated annual spend for teenagers in the United States since 2011. What is going on? Another crisis emanating. Now we have the hog pork crisis in China. Two teenagers not spending enough. That seems a little low, $2,371 for average teenager. 
economy was still fading back in 2011 from the 2008-2010 recession. So at that point in time, we were just starting to say, okay, we're coming out of this cold winter of spending, of, of the recession. And we, we're slowly ramped our spending up. Now we're getting back to those levels, and it's telling you that teens are maybe cautious. Back in 2011, America's teens were millennials. Now these same people are young adults, and how, are, how is their shopping holding up? Several trends always fall into place when you look at spending on teenagers. And sometimes those trends equate into lower spending or higher spending. For instance, the casualization of fashion. It's kind of coming down right now. So it's not high fashion, which is high cost. It's a lot. Let's go more cash. 75% of female respondents in a survey preferred an athletic brand of footwear. So think about buying Nike sock or Lululemon or Under Armour. Consultable worker advisor for taking action on any socks ever mentioned. But there is a an aesthetic at this point in time going on with teenagers, which emphasizes a compare culture. And the mission is for companies is to try to come up with some creativity. I'm not pushing teenagers into field. They're keeping up with the Joneses in a silly way. It's kind of a weird thing to go through. It's low maintenance. It's health conscious. Those are the things that are working really well. So a softening of spending, it may look like we're heading into recession or it may just look like a different aesthetic that teenagers are kind of calming down a little bit. Neither one's good. Less spending is less spending. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Spending drives our economy is what I'm trying to get at. We'll take a break. Be right back. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hopefully you have power. Looks like a lot of the Bay Area is going to lose power the next 24 hours, which is kind of surreal to think about. Oh, the stuff we could talk about. American cuts max flights into January. That's a big story. When does the uh, Boeing Airbacks get back on track? And when it does, does it cause the stock market a big rally? Because Boeing's one of the down 30. I was just on a plane last weekend. And for the first time in a long time, every single seat was taken. Just throwing that out there. That... Sometimes we look at a business and we're like, oh, the 737 MAX is having problems and flights are having problems. The economy is doing fine. People are flying. Behold a beautiful market. Now, keep in mind, and I want to be fair about this, we're up today on positive news out of the China trade deal. 
China is open to a partial U.S. trade deal despite despite the blacklist that the United States threw out yesterday. Um, it's worthy of note. I'll come back to that topic. I will come back to that topic because the markets are higher today for the right reasons. By partially, I think like the beautiful stock market could potentially turn into Medusa at any point in time based on headlines. Not based on internals or earnings or forecasts, but headlines. So this market kind of needs a beauty makeover to avoid that Medusa snake-like hair thing that goes on. Bloomberg News reported that China is still open to working out a partial deal with the United States despite the blacklist and visa bans that issued uh, basically rankled the markets yesterday. Probably fired up Chinese officials and warned of a retaliation that they didn't come through on. Now, I don't know trade deals inside and out, and you can't expect me to, and a lot of information is just trial balloons anyway. But China said that they'd be more open to buying agricultural products if the U.S. agrees not to impose any additional tariff increases. There's supposed to be some new tariffs going into effect in the middle of October. Oh, my. That's just six days from now. Oh, my, my, my. And then more tariffs on December 15th. So you say, what key structural issues are we going to try to fix? I don't know. China's going to remain a long way off on the complete deal that President Trump is aiming for. China seems to be floating a sweetener for U.S. farmers who comprise a key voting bloc for the president. Angling to see if it will suffice for now to keep the additional tariff increases at bay. That's the best way you can read it. China wants a, a, they don't want a complete deal now. They want something to appease the president and his tantrums. And one area that they can do it is by giving the farmers a little bit of a a pat on the back and say, we'll buy more of your, your farming goods. Huge. Farmers tend to vote Republican and they tend to vote Republican if their fields are full. Uh, they tend to vote Democrat if their fields are full of, of rotten, like nasty fruit. Thought of a partial deal excites the markets, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm buying into this anymore. White House said it will not cooperate with the House's impeachment inquiry. This is surreal. <laughs> Checks and balances. Oh no, we're not going to play along with that. So says the White House. It's like my civics class from eighth grade. 40 years ago, please don't make this true. Right? God. The EU has reportedly dangled a possible compromise on the Irish backstop issue that has been the center of the Brexit plan disagreement. Okay, okay. White House not compliant with uh, uh, subpoenas. Ireland and Britain may finally agree with how to do the Brexit plan going forward. Weekly mortgage applications increased 5.4% economic activity. Good, good, good. Banking, good. Awesome. Johnson Johnson's been ordered to pay $8 billion in punitive damages in a ruling related to its drug, Respesperdol. Um, now, Johnson Johnson already said that it's put money aside for that deal, that scenario. So there's some headlines that could be construed positive today, even if they don't read completely positively. Then there's the Middle East. In a very unpopular move, the uh, United States pulled troops out of Syria. Republicans and Democrats backlashed at Trump for doing it. 
And today, innocent people are probably being killed as Turkey has just launched a military operation against the Kurds in Syria days after Trump abandoned them. Problem with that is I get the abandoning. I get the headline news that the president's trying to make. American troops are coming home. Dun, 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 dun. The downside is, is that we've built a world of allies and axes, good and evil, white and black. And when you promise to help some other groups and you renege on that promise, you lose a lot of foreign diplomacy, which is part of the modern world today. So it's no surprise that Turkey launched immediately. Um, it would almost look like if I couldn't make this stuff up, it would almost look like the president's torpedoing his own presidency because even Republicans are mad at him for doing this. They haven't been mad at him for a lot of stuff. Oh, 800-516-1220 calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, don't be shy. There has to be some questions that you have. I'm probably not going to get into the PG&E bankruptcy issue. And if there's an investment in wildfires, I think there's some wildfires that have been sparked off today. Um, even with electricity turned off. Awesome. The obvious play would be home builders. Awesome. We have to put people in homes in the United States. And anytime thousands of homes burn down, we rebuild them with goodies from Home Depot, Pottery Barn, Lowe's, and other such places. So American Airlines cutting the Boeing 730 MAX until at least January 16. That means book your airline's travel now for Thanksgiving and Christmas because it's going to get messy. Do it! Apple smart glasses are going to arrive in the first half of 2020. That's from the top analyst, Ming Cool. Apple's going to launch an augmented reality headset, new MacBooks, new iPad Pros, iPhone SE 2 in the second quarter of next year. Wait, 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 wait. Say, talk about that, that augmented headphones thing again. Um, there's a translation on a Chinese site where her notes are tend to be released first. And Apple has put a lot of investment into augmented reality, which already puts works on most iPhones and iPads. So they've been building the technology into the camera so that essentially at some point in time, there's going to be a digital overlay into the real world where you can augment it. It's not virtual reality, a little bit different. Companies like Google and Microsoft, um, startup company called Magic Leap, they've all released AR glasses over the last couple of years, and none have gained massive consumer adoption. Interesting. Said that Apple's going to be working with other partners like Ray-Ban to, to help. Don't know much about this yet. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Working from a outside studio today is the studio that I'm supposed to be working in. Has no power. 
Sorry if this sounds a little bit glitchy at times. With that said, some headlines today that are in the news that I find pretty darn interesting. Hopefully you will too on some levels because it teaches you about investing in stocks. First and foremost, stocks are moving higher as a group in large part because China and the U.S. may actually do something nice this week. We'll see. This is from, I guess, trial balloons coming out of China today. Yesterday it was out of the United States, which was negative. This one today a little bit more positive. But Fitbit is going to shift manufacturing operations outside of China for effectively all trackers and smartwatches. Stock's moving higher on that news. Now, would I own Fitbit? No. When you look at their watches compared to Apple watches, it's not a nice comparison. Doesn't mean that they won't survive. It doesn't mean that they can't thrive. It doesn't mean that they can't reinvent. It just means right now the consumer is voting in a very different direction. Sorry. There's a big storm predicted for the next 24 hours in the Bay Area. And I guess that means wind. And I guess that means wind knocking branches into power lines, power lines catching fire, fires uh, turning into wildfires, wildfires turning into scorched earth. So one stock that is moving today on this news is Generac. Generac is called an outperform today. Pacific Gas and Electric said it has implemented the first phase of public safety power shutoff across significant portions of the service area in response to widespread severe wind event. The decision to turn off power was based on forecasts of dry, hot, and windy weather, including potential fire risk. Based on the latest weather forecast and models, PG&E anticipates that this weather event will pass, will last through midday Thursday with peak winds forecasted. From Wednesday morning through Thursday morning, reaching 70 miles an hour at higher elevations. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Over 800,000 customers could be affected by the multi-phase power shutoffs. Now, Generac is the stock that's moving. If you don't have power to your house, it could be a life-threatening situation, depending on your age and what you use the power in your home for. A lot of people have solar generators. A lot of people are going out and buying diesel-run generators. The number one generator company in the United States is a company called Generac, G-N-R-C. It's only trading at 16 times earnings, so it's not crazy expensive. The stock tends to get spurts up during hurricanes and, I guess, wind events. <laughs> um, they're the market-leading leader in backup generators. I, I don't like talking story stocks because it could go away pretty quickly. But they're out there. 25 years ago, a tech stock that I would talk about on Stock Talk with Rob Black was a company called Iridium Communications. They, at one point in time, sent me a satellite phone to test out for like a month. Now, a satellite phone was kind of cool because 25 years ago, cellular technology was crap. It was garbage. It was no good. It was no bueno. You'd have dead spots like on an open highway. That's terrible. So, so cell phone technology wasn't great, but satellite technology was. So you could, you could buy a phone. You would pay this enormous fee for monthly use, and you can connect from an island that has no cell towers. You can connect from the love boat. It has no cell towers near it. 
So the company offers mobile voice data and internet services worldwide, targeting companies that operate in remote areas. They do a lot of work with the Department of Defense. They're still around. I'm stunned by that. 25 years later, their phone was so big, it was literally like a size 14 shoe box. It felt like a shoe box. It was so big. (laughs) Stay away from that VR. Um, 66 low Earth orbit satellites linked together for gr- with ground stations. It seemed like a time ahead of itself, but it, the pricing they can never get more than defense contractors. It was just too much. I bring that up because they're still in the news, and I'm like, whoa, isn't it nice to visit an old friend? Upgraded to buy from neutral at Sedoti. I've never heard of Sedoti, but I bring this up again because I, I think it sounds kind of nice. Nearly all of the NBA's Chinese partners have now cut ties with the NBA. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Can you get one more whoa? No. Eleven of the NBA's China's local partners have suspended or ended their relationship with the league. Tencent, Luck and Coffee, Vivo all suspended relationships with the NBA. This is not good, and it shows you the problem with relationships sometimes with Russia, China, is that they can be incredibly fickle because of their leaders. China believes in a policy of uh, no political unrest. They've had a bad PR moment or two with that in the past, and they have one going on right now in Hong Kong. Anti-government protests by the younger people who want freedoms. Nearly all the NBA Basketball Association's charity partners have publicly announced that they are ending or suspending their relationship with the league. That seems like a childish response, but that's how you, you control people. You take your ball and you go home. When you were playing basketball or football as a kid and the other team was winning and you felt like it was getting embarrassing, you're like, I got to take my ball and go home. My mom wants me home for dinner. So instead of taking your thumping, you just run away. Out of the 25 yeah, officials... Partners list on the NBA website, 13 are Chinese businesses. So far, 11 of those companies have distanced themselves. Uh, C-Trip, Arta Sports, Changhong, Meiling, Dikos. I can't say these names. Um, but again, yeah, this uh, as we get closer to the season, will China cave on it and let their people have NBA basketball, the best basketball in the world, or will China start their own league? And push that as the official best league in the world. We don't know. But it tells you it's it's kind of sticky doing business in China. Yesterday there was a gamer from Activision Blizzard who got basically his video game money, his champion, no, his tournament money taken away from him. And he got banned from the platform for a year or two years. And employees at the company are freaking out. Uh, Congress is freaking out. Because Activision Blizzard basically punished him for having a pro-Hong Kong protesters statement in one of his video game streams. So this, I, I don't know, does this turn into an issue? Or has this always been the issue there? Weekly mortgage refinances jumped 10% as rates dropped to the lowest level since August. Awesome. One of the nice things about the next 10, 20 years as we run into recessions, run into depressions, as we go into oppressions, as we try to secede the nation, all these different sessions, 
is that most of America will have pretty solid home loan rates. Better than 10 years ago on average, better than 20 years ago on average, better than 30 years ago on average. So the next big problem we run into, it should be a little bit easier for a portion of the country to stay out of trouble. Doesn't always work like that, but in this case, let's hope. Levi Strauss, the maker of Denim 2.0. You can now connect your jeans to the internet. Has posted third quarter earnings at 31 cents a share. They've struggled to grow its wholesale business in the Americas, its largest market. The stock went up on basically a, a small beat. Can't get really, because they don't really have jeans 2.0. It's tough for me to get involved with Levi Strauss. I know they're a dominant player in jeans, but that's about as far as I go with my, my care. American Airlines, the airline extended cancellations of Boeing 737 MAX flights until mid-January. Wow. The FAA said in a statement it is following through uh, a very thorough process, not a prescribed time frame for returning the Boeing 737 MAX to passenger service. Apple got a nice price target upgrade today from $240 to $260, citing iPhone 11 strength. We've been talking about that for about two weeks on the show. Stronger than anticipated initial sales for the launch of this year's iPhone lineups. Don't forget, augmented glasses coming 2020, early 2020. I say that because it's almost 2020. Domino's Pizza downgraded to hold from buy. Basically, again, the it's kind of like a vampire movie. I feel like this one's already been staked, and we need to move on to the other investment ideas. We can't. It's not that we can't talk about Domino's, but it seems like it's the day for DoorDash. It's the dawning of Grubhub and Uber Eats, and the mom and pop pizza shop who didn't have enough capital to hire drivers to deliver pizzas, to schedule the right amount of drivers to deliver the most amount of pizzas in the most efficient amount of time. Seems like the domino story kind of is stepping back is everyone now does Post-Its or DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats a little bit too often. U.S. Steel talking about a company that hasn't been really terribly relevant since World War II. Uh, CFO announces resignation. And I think it's got to, don't you think if you're like a CFO of a steel company, that you look at like the CFOs of tech companies and go, man, I wish I was you. FireEye, cybersecurity company, jumped more than 4% in pre-market today on the back of strong revenue guidance for the third quarter. If you pay attention to a lot of business news, there is a lot of marketing done to CTOs. One of them is cybersecurity, and it seems almost like these companies kind of last for about 18 months and then lose some relevance. And then a new one comes up and steals their relevance, and they last for about 18 months until hackers are always one step ahead. But these guys are trying to stay close. They're not going to go away as investments or as trades, maybe. I'm Rob Black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Try to pride myself on that on some levels. Try to do my best to get you some investment ideas that you feel comfortable with. Talk about big companies like Walmart and how they succeeded versus companies like Kmart that I guess you could probably say they didn't. I don't get into a lot of areas that I know absolutely nothing about, like natural gas versus oil versus coal. I can help with the headlines and I can help with what the Wall Street says, but I don't have a lot of skin in that game per se. So I tend to like skew towards where I do. I try to do my very best of giving you a good second opinion. And that's kind of the best way you should take this show as your uncle who knows more about money and it fascinates you and you kind of want to sit near him while he's had a beer or two and spouts off all his knowledge so that you can focus on things like sports or love or family or fun things that you want to focus in on. You're darn tootin'. Some people have passions. Mine is investing in money. Now, one of the areas that it's not the easiest thing to talk about is investing for a yield. And that means where does your money get its best rate of return? We live in a low rate yield world. I feel like Madonna. We are living in a material world. Living. Um, but we're in a low rate world. It's not a madman world. It's a low rate world. <clears throat> where there's some prudence that, that's appropriate. And one of the words that prudence goes against is the word snobby. And I think there's some snobby on Wall Street. If there's a recession around the corner, a utility is probably a way better bet than a cyclical stock tied towards the economy expanding. But the Federal Reserve is kind of junking up the system for senior citizens who want yield. And for years, they've had to settle for utility stocks, so they get no growth. But as the Federal Reserve cuts rates lower and lower and lower, we're chasing yields lower. One sector that faces headwinds in either scenarios is financials. They don't do well in a low-rate world and a slowing cyclical economy. They can have the best fundamentals in the world, and yet when interest rates are low, banks have to deal with a lower spread between what they earn on their assets and what they pay on their liabilities. That pressures their what's called net interest margins. I'll say that one more time. When interest rates are low, financials get hurt. They have to deal with that lower spread between what they earn on their assets and what they pay on their liabilities, just like you. That pressures their net interest margins and potentially their ability to maintain dividend levels if they're not able to grow fatter reserves during a period of time where there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's some stocks out there that are beautiful. And when I say beautiful, have you ever had a Spanish soccer coach and you happen to only speak English? And uh, one of the things he says every time there's a good pass or there's a, a nice shot on goal, he goes, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's like a word that everyone in every language can understand. There's a company called Pentair, 2% dividend yield. Not unattractive to me. 
there have been some new money market accounts that are yielding about 1.8%. You can check those out. Good website, bankrate.com. But Robinhood is trying to get a 2% yield. That seems to be a magic number. Right now, the most they're going to get is like 1.6. Credit Karma is trying to set up a banking and savings component. But aren't they all about credit scores? They are. They, too, are trying to operate and work their business into newer pastures. There's a company called Illinois Toolworks. Pays 2.8% dividend yield. In this low-rate world, we're living in a low-rate world. You want some consistency? Illinois Toolworks, Johnson & Johnson, Nucor Steel, Pentair, Debbie W. Granger. All very, very conservative dividend players. Again, if you want a little bit of income from your cash or cash-like equivalents or just a little bit of income in your portfolio, these aren't the worst companies. If you want to go higher yield, but higher yield could be vulnerable to dividend cuts, like a Kraft Heinz. The higher the yield, the higher the rate of return you get on your cash or your investment – there's a big difference between 2% and 3%. That's exponentially large. We're not talking about the difference between 67% and 68%, but the difference between 2 and 3 is much bigger than the difference between 67 and 68. So you got to find reasonable dividends that are safe, but likely to grow, even in a slowing economy. Debbie Deb Granger, Pentair, Nucor, Johnson & Johnson, Illinois Toolworks. Those are the names that continually hit the screens. Listen to this. Illinois Toolworks, ticker symbol ITW, has had 47 consecutive years of dividend increases. Now, again, to give you an idea, I think we all know that a thong is a very sexy piece of bikini underwear that basically leaves nothing to the imagination. It's a little bit of floss, right? I'm dead sexy. We know that gra- we know that granny panties are these like big parachutes that are designed to protect against every womanly issue. Dividend stocks, the ones that I'm are talking about, are more like the granny panties. When you get 57 years of increases in dividends from Johnson Johnson, it's so safe. It's not sexy, but it's safe. So you need to look at that thought in your head. I'm not moving into income stocks at this point in time. I'm not that stressed. I've got time on my side to figure things out. And I might massively underperform or, or, or slightly underperform. But I'm not going down. So I'll change my portfolio ever so slightly. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. 